like to invite Alex, is it, to be reading the scripture reading for today, taken from John chapter 3, verses 14 to 18. Thank you. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, I'd like to pray as we look at this very important scripture, this most quoted scripture out of all scriptures in the Bible. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have gathered us together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we look at John chapter 3, we do pray that these words hit us deep into our hearts so that we may live for your glory. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Of the 3,000 snakes around the world, there are around 450 species that are deeply deadly. Every year, these snakes kill over 100,000 people, mostly in Asia, Africa, and South America. But even though these snakes are deadly, their venom has been used in medical breakthroughs. Snake venom proteins have been exploited to create novel medications for things like cancer, high blood pressure, heart attacks, strokes, and some would even say Alzheimer's disease. The venom of a snake can be employed to save lives. And we also see this truth unfold in scripture. After God rescued his people from their captivity their slavery, their terrible lives in Egypt, the people of God, and we can't believe this when we read scripture, they grew impatient with God and spoke against him and Moses. Israel said in effect, why did you drag us out of Egypt to die in this God-forsaken country? There is no fresh water and we cannot stomach the miserable food any longer. They expressed their sheer unhappiness about spending so much time in the desert, and this was nothing short of rebellion against God. And so how did God respond? How did God respond when he was insulted after saving a people from slavery in Egypt? How did he respond? Well, then God displayed his holy justice against the rebellious people. Verse 6 of Numbers 21 says, the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. And so God sent an infestation of poisonous snakes whose venom was like fire. It burned. It caused people to cry out. They were in desperation. The lethal inflamed wounds then emerged and many people died in Israel that day. 
And in their agony, the Israelites then pleaded with Moses, verse 7 of Numbers 21, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take these snakes away from us. We don't want them here anymore. They're everywhere. Just imagine you are walking into a a place and there's just snakes crawling around everywhere. You would be freaking out and you saw people dying around you. You would be crying out in need for help. And so how did God respond? Well, out of his sheer mercy, God listened to the cry of his people and the prayer of Moses. Verse 8, God said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten by a snake can look at that pole, that bronze serpent, and live. Those who repented and looked to the bronze snake lived. And those who were too stubborn to look, what happened to them? They died. They died. Even in their dying agonies, many Israelites did not believe God's prescribed course of healing. And so in summary, Israel was threatened by snakes in the desert due to their sin. But those who looked to the bronze serpent by faith were rescued, were saved, were redeemed. And you might be thinking, how on earth is this relevant to me? Well, like Israel, all humanity, me and you, has been stricken with a dangerous poison. And I'm using a metaphor here. And this dangerous poison has been hurting people ever since Adam and Eve was tricked in the Garden of Eden by a serpent. And this poison is slowly killing all people. Since the first rebellion of humanity, the lethal curse of sin has entered into our veins, infecting us with illness, separating us from God, eating away at our flesh, causing death to enter the world. Sin, it is like a toxic waste entering into the atmosphere, disrupting all sacred life. For example, each year, Corporations release toxic chemicals into ecosystems, unaware of the effects. In one small town in America, a chemicals plant waste disposals had devastating effects on the whole community. The fish and the local livestock became no longer able to be eaten. People developed cancers. River systems were destroyed. Animal species were extinct. Food supplies were shortened. In a similar way, sin is like a toxic waste leaking into the world. Even now, our smallest of sins can have a chain effect reaction that will hurt future generations. In other words, my sins now will likely be carried on through my children and affect my future generations without me even knowing it. Sin is like that. Sin is a lethal toxin that lives in our hearts, our minds, and our bodies, and hurts all sacred life. For this reason, Scripture diagnoses sin, in the words of J.I. Packer, as a universal deformity of human nature found in every person. 
Sin is described as a spirit of fighting God in order to really become God and be God and play God. Sin is a negative, irrational and rebellious reaction against God's will for our lives. Sin is defined as a lack of conformity to the will of God. And this sin affects how we act, how we live, our attitudes, our outlook on life, our motivations, our mode of existence. Sin is the cause of all worldwide problems and like a lethal snake bite brings death to all people. And so just pause for a moment and recognize that me, you, everyone in this room is not perfect. Hands up if you're perfect. I'm not surprised. We all fail. We all fall short of God's great standard because he's perfectly holy and we can never reach that holy standard of God because we have all got what? Sin. Do not be dismayed by that as people without hope. As the bronze snake was lifted up, lifted high, on a pole to save sinners in Israel, Jesus Christ, and John is pointing us back to that event, Jesus Christ was lifted up on the cross to offer us the gift of eternal life. Think about that. Jesus was lifted up on the cross for you, you sinner. In the camp of Israel, the solution to the serpent problem was not to kill all the serpents, make medicines or pretend they were not there and try to close our eyes to the fact that these snakes are biting us and they're killing us. The answer was by looking by faith at the uplifted serpent on the pole. Likewise, we are rescued from our sin disease, the toxins that are in us, when we look to Jesus, the one who is lifted up on the cross in his crucifixion. There on the cross, he became a substitute serpent, if you will. And this is a metaphor. There on the cross, he had to be, he, he took on himself all the poison that we had in our bodies, which is sin. There on the cross, he had to be lifted up to become the savior of the world. He did this to save those who simply repent and believe. And then after his death, Jesus was then lifted up from the grave through his resurrection to confirm that sins were indeed forgiven. He was then lifted up from the earth into heaven through his exaltation to become the Lord of all who confess their sins. Now, by looking to the crucified, risen and exalted Lord, the believer can now enjoy and savour and encounter new life in Jesus. And that is at the heart of the gospel message. Eternal life is given to those who simply look to Jesus, the man on the pole, the cross, and believe. On January the 6th, 1850, a snowstorm almost crippled the city of Colchester in England. And a teenage boy was unable to get to the church he usually attended. So he made his way to the nearby 
Methodist Chapel, where an unprepared layperson spoke on behalf of the preacher who could not arrive due to the snowstorm. His text was Isaiah 45 verse 22, which reads, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For many months, this young teenager had been miserable and under deep conviction. But though he had been raised in church and his father was a great preacher and his grandfather was a great preacher, he did not have the assurance of salvation, of sin forgiven. He did not know the Lord as his personal saviour, as his redeemer. The unprepared preacher did not have much to say, so he kept on repeating the text. Quote, a man need not go to college to learn to look, he shouted. Anyone can look. A child can look. About that time, the preacher saw the visitor sitting to one side and he pointed at him and said, Young man, you look miserable. <laughs> you, don't, you don't look like you want to be here. You look miserable. The young man did look. So sorry, the young man... He said, look to Jesus, young man, look to Jesus. The young man did look by faith. And that was how the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, was converted, who is arguably one of the greatest preachers who has ever walked this earth. Look to Christ and you will be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish. But what? Have eternal life. Look to Christ by faith and you too will be given this eternal life. Eternal life is life in Christ. It is a life that will never end. It is something that will endure for all eternity. Right now your life will not last forever if you are apart from Christ. But if you turn to Christ, if you look to him, if you say, I, don't want to live, I no longer want to live the way I did, but I now want to be a new person in Jesus Christ, you need to first look to Jesus and then you'll be saved. If you are a miserable sinner, be honest with yourself, if you are miserable, a sinner, a person without saving faith, look to Christ and you will be what? Saved. Have you looked to Christ, ye sinner? Because that is what we are. We are sinners without hope. But have you looked to Christ? J.C. Ryle, the great bishop of England, said, The truth before us is the very foundation stone of the Christian religion. Christ's death is the Christian's life. Christ's cross is is the Christian's title to heaven. Christ lifted up and put to shame on Calvary is the ladder by which Christians are landed into eternal glory. It is true that we are sinners, but Christ has suffered for us. It is true that we deserve death, but Christ has died for us. It is true that we are guilty debtors, but Christ has paid our debts with his own blood. This is the real gospel. Unquote. Have you looked to Christ? Do you see that he died for you? Even if you were the last man or woman on the earth in desperate need of salvation, Jesus would have came just for you. God loves you. 
God loves the world. That he sent his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, that is, to go into hell and be under that torture forever, but will experience eternal life. So have you looked to Christ? If so, be assured, God's love is not a hazy, sentimental emotion, but a love that pays the ultimate price. God gave what he valued the most for you to bring you to God. The gift was eternal life through the death and resurrection of his only begotten son. Look then to the love of God found in Christ and you will be saved. Salvation is not possible unless we look, repent, surrender all to Jesus and live for him. But friends, there is a flip side to the rescue plan of Jesus. And I don't think I could preach this message without saying this to you today. God has provided us the cure for sin. But if we do not believe in this cure, the scriptures teach us here that we actually remain in a state of what John calls condemnation. Look with me at verse 18. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, for really it was already condemned. It was already under the wrath of God. In other words, Jesus did not enter into a neutral world to rescue some and condemn others. He entered into a lost world to save some from it. And those some are those who believe. For the believer, there is then no condemnation. For the punishment that brought us peace was upon Jesus, and by his wounds we are healed. But for all who reject Jesus, who do not look to him and be saved, we die without hope outside of that saving grace, that gift of salvation revealed in Jesus. And so then let me speak plainly. Those who look to Christ with genuine faith will inherit eternal life. But those who reject Christ will be locked up in darkness forever. Those who turned away from the only way to salvation, John tells us, will be thrown into the lake of fire, Revelation 20.15. For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through this narrow gate, which is him. He is the only means to salvation. And this is the gift that God gives us. God displays the wonders of his love by holding before us the gift of Jesus. But many of us, if we are to be honest, reject this message or live indifferently to it or rarely even consider it. J.R. Packer says, many of us, and it's hard to say this, please know, many of us choose hell rather than eternal life. He'll go on to say those in hell will realize 
that they sentenced themselves to it by loving darkness rather than light, choosing not to love their creator as their Lord, preferring self-indulgent sin to self-denying righteousness and rejecting Jesus rather than coming to him, unquote. Hell, the place of fire and darkness, the realm of weeping and grinding of teeth, the prison of destruction and torment is self-chosen. Hell is a place of eternal peril for those who reject eternal life. And I don't want you to go there. I share this with you because I love you. This is what the scriptures plainly teach. And I'm holding true to the word of God right now. We like to hear the good news, but we often forget and ignore the bad news. And by ignoring the bad news, it actually means that we live indifferent to the good news. But if we share both the bad news and the good news, we need to make a response to that news. We cannot hear it and then ignore it. We need to make a decision. I would like to say that hell does not need to be your choice, nor your future. In his mercy and love, God has preserved your life on earth until now for a reason. You are here for a reason. And God now urges you to make a decision. And he says to you, look to Jesus and ye be saved. Out of his great love for you, God therefore cries out, look to my son dying on the cross Look to my son, now resurrected. Look to my son, lifted high, ruling at the right hand of God. Look to my son, who will one day come again to bring an end to all the chaos that we hate. Look to him, because he is the gift of salvation. And so have you looked to Christ? Well, a politician awoke after an operation and found that the curtains in his hospital room were drawn close. Why are the curtains closed, he asked the nurse. Is it night time already? Is it night time, he thought. No, the nurse replied, but there's a fire across the street, and we didn't want you to wake up and think the operation was unsuccessful. (laughs) Hell is not worth the risk, guys. Life with God, the amazing life with God through Jesus Christ is worth more than gold and precious diamonds. Look then to Jesus. Salvation is instant the moment you simply look. Charles Spurgeon also said, quote, A sinner believes in a moment, and the moment that sinner believes and trusts in his crucified God, at once he receives salvation in full through his blood. Salvation is complete in that very moment. Look to the crucified and risen Lord and you are instantly saved just like that once you look. If a sinner only trusts in Jesus Christ, know this, eternity now lies before him or her. Look, look, look to Jesus and you will be saved. Amen.